Today's episode of RPG Pop Club is brought to you by the generous support of our producer, Just a Guy. Thank you for your support. Dear listeners, if you too are enjoying RPG Pop Club, please consider supporting us on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash rpgpopclub. And now, on with the show. RPG Pop Club. RPG Pop Club. RPG Pop Club. RPG Pop Club. Yeah! Hi, I'm Philip Sokoloff. And I'm Sarah Nicole Carter. And this is RPG Pop Club. Each week we play a Star Trek tabletop RPG adventure, and then we review it. Today we are playing Denial of Destiny. That's right, Sarah Nicole. And we are joined by one of our players, Aaron. Good to have you with us, man. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. I've been eagerly uh, anticipating... this episode it uh it's it's got a special place in my heart i think but i'll explain more (laughs) about that later all of our hearts dude all our hearts um aaron you have a special place in my heart (laughs) oh you're so sweet you have a special place in my heart there's a special Um, little room that has (laughs) turn the recording off real fast um (laughs) aaron we uh i i've i think i've known you longer than anyone else in the group you and I met in college at working at the uh, math computer lab. That's right, with Big Dan and yeah, real, real heroes. Yeah. Shout out to and, Big uh, Dan. Shout out to Big Dan and Jay Tiger. And and you knew, of course, Andre, your brother, and Dave, who you lived yeah. with at the time. And that's how this whole band began. And John Jarvis, uh, yeah, John. Yeah, you know, you yeah. knew John. You brought him in, and uh, the rest is history. Yeah, you, you and I were very much the glue that that brought our whole crew together here. So it's a yeah, it's a very special glue relationship we have. <laughs> here we are, yeah. and not only that, but there's also like so April and I got married, and then Eric and Sarah Nicole got married, and then you and Carrie got married, and then like same with kids, right? We all had kids yeah. right right around the same time. Boom, boom, yeah. boom. Didn't we get married first? So, I thought we won. No, we got married first. We did not. No. What year you get married? I. Like. Damn it! <laughs> put me on the spot. Twenty fifteen. Twenty oh five. Twenty fifteen. Yeah, that's it. Twenty fifteen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right out of high school. Ago, right? Bam. Ten years old. Okay. <laughs> um. And uh, in our D and D group, you were always the caller or the leader of the group. Indeed, and in our in our Star Trek RPG so far, you've uh, I don't think you've been first or second in command in any of our adventures. Never. Yeah, which has been which has been fun uh, to sort of be able to relinquish the reins or um, try to uh, influence indirectly, if you will. Um, which is uh, something I get to practice at work a lot. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's sometimes it's fun to not be the guy going like, all right, knuckleheads, like, let's, let's do this. Yeah. And let somebody else take that for a change. It's fun to see different dyna- dynamics in the group. I hope we get to play with that more and more. Yeah, me too. Different people taking command. But you go way back with Dave. <laughs> yeah, Dave and I have so known each really other. really comfortable with uh, trying to steer him around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and and to be fair, like we all need our fair share of steering uh, sometimes. Yeah. But 
yeah, Dave and I have known each other since I was in junior high. So, gosh, that would have been, I don't know, mid, mid to late 90s. Um, you know, so, yeah, we've uh, got a long and storied relationship there. We'll post pictures of that on the website. Yeah, I'll have to find something. Ooh, that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> or, Dre, or Dre and I hanging around as kids in the backyard or something. Let's dig up all the childhood photos. All of the above. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mandatory. So for this um, for this episode we watched, uh, or for this adventure, we actually ended up playing it in two sessions. It's one of those modules that, it's the first module I think we've come across that actually suggests in there that this, this ought to be played across two sessions and suggest where the break may be. And and that worked right. out well for us, that aspect. Um, yeah, I thought so too. Did, did at least, uh, I don't think we even got through everything there was in the first half in our first session, but... But anyway, I was going to talk about which episodes we watched for this. We watched A Taste of Armageddon for the first half. And then we watched By Any Other Name for the second half. And A Taste of Armageddon, definitely one of my favorites. Every episode is one of your favorites. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I will tend to pick my favorites. But Taste of Armageddon had uh, the character of Ambassador Fox in it, who was also in this adventure, which is an interesting um, yes. choice. Yes. <laughs> and then by any other name had um, the Enterprise being taken over, which is also an, enterpr- an, uh, an aspect of this adventure. So that's why we picked those. And also I'll for show- the fashion. Well, yeah. <laughs> we have to have fashion inspiration, hairdo inspiration, and, you know, role-play inspiration. Hat- hats. Fun hats. Absolutely. And... And there's there's something that those two episodes have in common, which is the Vulcan trick of trying to influence someone through a wall, like doing a thing with your hands <laughs> and like sort of squinting a bit and, and trying to control them through a wall. It works the first time and not the second time, but I don't think it ever comes out, comes back in any other episode, but it has to be through a wall. Yeah, of course. Around the side Either of it. he's touching them or it's through a wall, <laughs> like right. making love to the wall a bit. I've tried to use it the a wall. couple times plays a really important part of the physic metaphysics of the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> I think it does. Yeah. Well, let's let's jump right into our recap, shall we? Let's do it. We played Denial of Destiny and this was by um by Andrew Philip Hooper. I don't think that's a name we'll see again. Um this was just a one-time thing for him. And it was published in 1983. We're still in 1983. And let's uh, let's go ahead and listen to the commander's log. Commander's log, stardate 7258.2. The USS Cody is en route to the planet known as Elariad. Our mission to evacuate as many natives as possible from impending collision. We have sped ahead of our convoy of transports to make contact with the natives. Fantastic. Shall we meet the landing party? Yeah, meet that landing party. Real name, Dave. I play Lieutenant Colin McDonald of Clan Ronald. I am acting commander. Hi, I'm Ava, and I play Ensign Ingrid Jensen. 
She is a half Romulan Scandinavian science officer aboard the USS Cody. So my name is Dri. I'm a Lieutenant Igor Petrenko from Ukraine. This is, uh, my name is John. I am Cadet Alejandro Roca Solano. I'm from Spain. I'm in the engineer department. Uh, I am Ensign Valentin Laurent. I am Ensign De Los Santos. So my name is uh, Trist. I'm a doctor. Um, I'm Argelian. So I'm a Vulcan. My name is Tapru. All right. So how did it play out? So to aid the crew in their mission to evacuate the planet Illyriad? Is that how I say it, Philip? I, I, it's, yeah, Illyriad with an A. Illyriad. But, Illyriad. Yeah. Illyriad. Anyway. There's a lot of lot of names in this thing. The Jahareki, the Kimbali, the Kikitao, the Mayaka, Isayona. All the names Show of the off. characters. I had that ready. Go. <laughs> To aid the crew in their mission to evacuate the planet Illyria, they're joined by the Ambassador Robert Fox. Commander, uh, Ambassador Fox, what do we know of the technology level and culture of these folks? Um, I, I've shared uh, some briefings with your science officer and your medical officer, if you guys have any questions for them. To, uh, Lieutenant Tapru informs the crew that the planet has a small population of less than 1 billion, but 7 million of, of them live in one mega city. It is the only free area on the planet not controlled by one of the hundreds of religious factions, and the mega city is made up of hundreds of little cities representing each faction, living side by side in peace. This city needs to be the first stop for the mission. Dr. Triss reveals that the planet has a different atmosphere than normal humanoids breathe. If the natives were brought aboard the Cody, they would be starved for oxygen. If the crew went down to the planet, they would hyperventilate. The crew asked Triss for more information about the species. They, uh, they are a vegetarian species. Um, so um, they really, uh, they just, they don't eat meat. So they're, you know. Cernical, I mean, um, Tapu should get along with them well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and they're also very secretive about their reproduction. Um, so um, be careful with who you flirt with, I think. I'm super curious now. <laughs> right? How, how does it work? How, how, how would you figure it out? Well. <laughs> I, I guess we're going to have to role play it, Phil. <laughs> they actually, it's kind of difficult to tell the males and the females apart. Um, oh, the David they, what, what'd you say? The David Bowie plan. <laughs> you know, it kind of is. They, you know, they, they're like, um, they're skinnier than most people. And um, they're sort of like kind of elongated heads and torsos. It's and they're the boys until the Swintons. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Otilla Swinton, they totally Otilla Swinton, because they're, androgenia. Also, they're also mostly hairless. Um, they have like um, like peach fuzz on the top of their head, and that's about it. Um, <laughs> so, um, and it's apparently like a regressive genetic trait that's slowly being lost, the, the hair at all. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, uh, don't perfect. judge, okay. Tilda Swinton as, you know, mm. whatever the Doctor uh, Strange, you know, master, super hot, okay? Super hot. <clears throat> yeah. We'll, we'll try and imagine them as, as the hot 
hot side of that. Didn't but. Riker fall in love with some sort of androgynous Ugh, alien on one episode? God, yeah. yeah. That was almost as good as the episode where uh, Dr. What's-Her-Name fucks the ghost. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's do we have to bleep that out? Do I need to make no. this family-friendly? <laughs> yeah. That's another quality episode of Star Trek right there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind. Yeah, I don't one. think there's any unsexy sex in the original series. So you're talking about the Scottish episode, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because mm-hmm. Eric was like, "I hate this episode. It's like a Harlequin romance novel." Yeah, it and is. I yeah. was like, "A bad one." How dare you, sir? And then he watched <laughs> again and was like, "Oh, this isn't that bad." And I love that episode, so I will hear nothing <laughs> rude about it. Aaron. Now the other one where Riker falls oh. in love with that chick and is like, "I'm gonna give away everything in Starfleet and break all these rules and shit for this girl I met for ten minutes in a shuttlecraft." Boo! Yeah, hate yeah. it. Hey, but you know like what? Ancestral ghost. Fucking a random being who pretends to be a Scottish ghost is like way better. It is better. And then they have to to fuck your mom and grandma and stuff too. Yeah. That is so interesting though. At least it's an interesting story. Not just like I met you in a shuttle for 10 minutes and you're weirdly hot to me. So I'm going to throw my career away. Way to to get it on with uh, ectoplasm there, Dr. Crusher. I don't care. She looked great in that episode too. She, they were like, she has red hair. Let's do a Scottish episode. Amazing. And they're not even Scottish, on, right? She could be on like a romance n- novel cover. She's beautiful. I like how yeah. they dressed her in green and and then Troy's always in purple. Amazing. Okay. Sorry. That her um, yeah. natural hair color? You're asking if the carbon matches the drapes, Aaron? Uh, maybe. This uh, this is totally not anything that would ever happen in one of our adventures. Never. So uh, let's let's plow ahead, shall we? Yeah, we should. Let's plow it. Ambassador Fox reminds the crew that even with the fleet of transports en route, they will only be able to save 1% of the planet's population. They should try to avoid causing a panic that would result in riots and war in the streets, which would prevent them from being able to evacuate anyone at all. To further complicate matters, Orion privateers are known to frequent the sector. Mm, there's a Chekhov's mm. gun for you. <laughs> we'll see if that goes off. On the final approach to the planet, the Cody has to maneuver through an asteroid field. They could oh, raise the yeah. shields, but they wouldn't have enough energy to, ble- to beam to the planet. Eric is a fantastic pilot, guys. Yeah. Let him not scratch the not- damage the ship. Yes, Laurent is a fantastic pilot. Here we go. Go ahead, Laurent. Yeah, he, can, he can make the Kessel run like zero parsecs. It would take at least 12. Come on, let's be serious. That's, that's, that's quality. With Commander McDonald helping, Laurent is able to guide the Cody safely through the asteroid field. Once they were in orbit around the planet, they had to determine how best to make first contact titular line of future things. There was a society that had electricity and radio communications, but had not discovered space flight yet. Citizens of Illyriad, <laughs> we bring a message of peace from the United Federation of Planets. There is an impending disaster for your world, and we wish to speak with you on how to save as many of your people as possible. Uh, we intend to work with uh, your leaders as you see fit. Um, uh, those who wish to uh, join us aboard our starship and discuss how we might best save <laughs> as many of your people as possible. 
please be gathered at the designated coordinates near your city. Uh, and we will bring your board our starship for um, conversation. Again, we uh, <laughs> hope to save your people and bring peace for the United Federation of Planets. Eric, you must and a message, and I know that was terrible, but um, considering I have contact theory, hopefully it uh, sounded a lot better in their native language. So, Wow, not one of my most inspired moments. <laughs> I cannot believe you left that whole thing there. I wanted to get the, that was clearly the hook. To shame you right there. Uh, yeah. You've got to grade yourself, buddy. Yeah, that... Is. That's that's like a D minus. That is just you've had some great ones. But terrible. Yeah. I know. Like what happened to my Klingon? Uh, you know, uh, well, we haven't gotten the there end yet. of that episode. Oh god, it was yeah, so that's, good. That's coming up, folks. Yeah, <laughs> I rolled a nat twenty on that one, but this was yeah. like a two, maybe at best. Mm. <laughs> Thanks for leaving that. I in there. The I appreciate like, well, that. my yeah. character would have done it better. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't. Classic role player. I couldn't. Couldn't <laughs> let that go. <laughs> Well, only three minutes later, the crew receives a response. It is welcome. We invite you to enter the land of the Kembali. Share our hospitality and our roof while you sojourn in Baikonad. May the blessings of Aleriad be upon you. A plus. <laughs> you think? Are you? You're grading yourself. Got it. Yeah. Um, Ambassador Fox chimes in with his response. Head me through, a communications officer. I'll, I'll take it from here. Oh, Ambassador Fox, of course. Yeah, please. Um, uh, well, at least, at least give me a shot here. Yeah. Just speak right here directly into, the, uh, into this translator. Uh, greetings, Prefect, or Your Excellency, or whatever local custom uh, honors you as. My name is Ambassador Robert Fox. I surely believe that you must take seriously the warnings that are be being given to you. We must evacuate you at once. We must speak over this uh, communication uh, uh, device. Uh, uh, pl please, uh, we do not have time to beam down to the planet. Uh, and, and transmission. Yes, thank you. We can just... Uh... Give me like a hand signal. You don't have to say an end transmission. Oh. <laughs> um, that was truly inspired. Go right through. Uh, how awkward. Yeah, it, it it did, but that's okay. We'll 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 fix it for next time. Honorable ambassador, Honorable. you are so smooth in your speech, very <laughs> persuasive. However, we cannot allow you to to miss out on the joys of our hospitality. We must insist. Some of the crew were weary about transporting down to the surface. It felt a little too welcoming. They considered beaming the leaders up without their consent. This is how all the rumors about anal probes started. Like, that was some innocent <laughs> Vulcans back in the day. And all of a sudden, it's like pigs getting anal probed and cows getting turned inside out. You can't just beam people up randomly. That's not how this works. Ultimately, the crew decides that they need to earn the people's trust, and to do that, they need to beam down. The crew equip themselves with life belts to survive the atmosphere, and they beam down with Ambassador Fox. They meet the Illyrian delegation, escorted by a couple of guards armed with weapons equivalent to mid-20th century firearms. 
As it is late, the crew is escorted to a building where they can rest for the night. All of the crew stay in one room where they try to glean as much information as they can from their tricorders and by interacting with increasingly reticent guards. Convinced the well is dry, the crew finally sleep. Commander Donald is bitten in the neck by some sort of bug. You receive a, a bite from this 12, 12-legged anthropod similar to a very nasty tarantula. Um, it's very painful and your, your shoulder swells up tremendously. I got this, uh, this bite on my shoulder. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, neutralize it and, um, uh, and take care of it. All right. He's got, him. he's got, a, he's got a fever and, and, uh, bouts of, of recurring nausea. Dr. Triss heals McDonald and they pass the rest of the night uneventfully. The next day, the landing party splits. McDonald, Triss, and Ambassador Fox negotiate with the leaders of the Kambali. Meanwhile, the rest of the party spends their day exploring the bustling marketplace. They find that there's some sort of festival, and the square is packed with crowds. The crowds eventually push Laurent into a pottery cellar stand, and he breaks a particularly fine and delicate pot. Mm. The merchant is enraged, and the party tries to find a peaceful resolution. Ooh, you have ruined this! I demand restitution for your heinous act! Oh, well, uh, I, I'm sure we could work something out. This was an honest mistake. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you've had other people knock things over in this bustling marketplace. Let's, uh, let's... Honest person would repay me. You break it, you buy it. Do you take, do, do you take barter? Barter? Let's see. We've got wine. We've got I, bread. I, 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 pull out a, I pull out my bottle of wine. It's like, out of uh, your pants? I don't know if that's going to... Uh, rare delicacies from afar. I guarantee you nobody else here has this. I offer him my beanie. This is probably poison for our kind. Your beanie? Yeah. I do not want your beanie. Give me your boots. Oh, boy. Well, as they negotiate, guards come up to investigate. Um, repay him uh, for the Merchant. damage done to his. Uh, his Stop clothes. abusing the guest of the High Counselor. Would you care to have this man beaten? Oh no, that's not necessary. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not. In yeah. fact, we we would we would love to be able to repay him for the damage done to his goods. The guard settled the situation, and the merchant accepts not being beaten as payment. The guards give the party some money and tell them not to break anything else. Well, next vignette, the party comes upon a beggar with a missing leg. They give him one piece of currency. He's like, thank you so much. I can buy two dead caterpillars for this amount. It's, it's great. But he actually smiles genially. He's very grateful. The party starts asking the beggar how he lost his limb. The beggar acts reluctant to talk, and then the merchants nearby start to crowd around, telling the party to leave him alone. The party backs off. Give him a couple more of these crap, crap, crap dollars, or what are they called? We give him three more crap dollars. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. And then now we go somewhere else. The tricorder reading uh, shows that he has a, his leg tied up under and folded under his body. Nice. Oh, I take two back. Rude. No, no. Uh, no, you leave him alone. Don't take him back. Put it. Let him. Let him run his scam. Next, Tapu is drawn to a jewelry stand. That's right. He's he's very helpful. He says, um, uh, "Well, welcome, but there's nothing that will fit your finger or your neck or your wrist." Wow. 
Are you, is that, are you calling her fat? That is rough. I am six, yeah. I'm six feet nine inches. So you're like three times as well, you're at least you're almost twice as tall as any of these guys. She does find a beautiful piece meant to be an Illyrian necklace that fits on her wrist. She buys it, puts it on, and walks away. All right, you guys walk away from there. The the, the band it's actually like a millipede, it sleeps in a curled up position, so it wakes up and it bites you. Oh, she wasn't wearing it. We said we were going to scan it. We just bought it. It's not like we put it on. Well, she had it. Either way, she did. I said it. I it. All right, am I dead? No. Jesus. They go back to confront the merchant, only to find that he's gone without a trace. Aaron, thank you for trying to defend my honor there and role play us out of being bitten. That was very I mean, important. You know. Sometimes a simple bite like that will result in a horrifying death. You know. That's why I asked, yeah. like, am I dead? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past somebody. That's right. Hey. <laughs> oh, death. <laughs> uh. Uh, so, uh, is it me now? Did I? Yes. Oh, what do you think about... happened next? Do you remember? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, during I the remember. promotion. I... Oh, do you want to say it? Oh, and I'm not looking at the script, but um, I'm pretty sure there was. This some is totally kids. unscripted, Aaron. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure there were there were some kids stealing from us that we were gonna kill, and then decided yes. not to. And then I'm pretty sure I bought some some dilithium. Yes. I got pickpocketed, and then the thief stole our phaser too. And That's then right. Yeah. For the culprit. Yeah. All right, you guys. Later, you're looking around like, what happened? Where did that guy go? You hear the like the sound of a phaser being fired on disintegrate setting. Oh, oh, God. God. Um, I don't know anything about that. Can <laughs> <laughs> you see what happens? You guys, look at the wall of oh, the buildings nearby. The whole the wall is like disappears in a puff of photons. The roof of the building falls down and destroys the entire stock of a very displeased potter. Oh my god. He drops the weapon and runs away. Who, who had the weapon? Some a thief. So he's gone though. He's not there anymore. The potter is like very mad at you. He's like, Oh my god, all my pottery. Oh boy. Sorry guys, I was phoning it in a bit there. Oh my god. <laughs> well, they go back to confront well, sorry. The merchant end up, ended up taking one of their fine Federation knives as repayment for his lost side of his house. As the day drew to a close, Laurent is admiring a stack of big iron kettles at an ironmonger stand. Suddenly, one of the pots at the top tumbles down, almost hitting a young woman selling flowers. Laurent pulls her out of danger, and she pledges to serve him for a year and a day. How long is the year on this planet? <laughs> <laughs> Day is twenty hours. Oh God. Okay, madam, you. My name is Eliza. Yan. Eliza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does she talk like this? Oh God, this I always serve with honor. I do. <laughs> She starts singing. Uh, no. Um, Take me. I'm yours. <laughs> I reach. I, I, I extend my arm gallantly and say, "Madam, 
all she wants is a room somewhere. <laughs> 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 she offers to carry your stuff for you. Uh, no. Uh, you know what? How about I carry your flowers for you and I take her flowers oh, and I so carry them French. for her. I, I give her one of our coins and I take a flower and smell it and I give it to her. Are you oh, going to give her the baguette later? Ayo. <laughs> I almost just said Ayo again. Let's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about this whole like uh, underage slave bit that we had going on here. This is <laughs> so oh, full of gems, this one. Oh, man. We do love a Cockney accent. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Well, while the marketplace adventures are happening, um, Commander McDonald, Dr. Triss, and Ambassador Fox are negotiating with the leaders of the Kambali. The negotiations end up not being very successful. The Kambali leaders are only interested in establishing trade. They don't seem to understand the danger facing their planet. On their way back from the negotiations, McDonald, Triss, and Ambassador Fox are ambushed by thugs from Isiona. It's, it's Teona. It's, yes, exactly. It's Aona. Mm -hmm. I-T-S-A-I-O-N-A. -A, a rival religious faction. Their guards implore them to run, but McDonald insists they help. The knives are out. Or not knives. Let's just say it's a punch fight so far. Very Star Trek. Oh my gosh, call me. I want to punch somebody. <laughs> well, Fox ends up getting knocked out, so McDonald and Triss grab him and run, while the guards keep the thugs busy. That evening, the whole crew is treated to a grand banquet with speeches and toasts for the bravery shown in battling the villainous Isayona. Yeah. Isayona? That's how you yeah. say that. I think we did neglect to mention about the uh, the dilithium crystal that Aaron brought, bought. But you, thanks for bringing that up, Aaron. So you did. You bought it for uh, for Jensen. Just because I know it'll, uh, you know, come come in handy later. So. Yep. Always does. Well, it's revealed that the Kambali have a prophecy. A great <laughs> test will come upon them, and they will be tempted to flee. Chaotic forces will descend upon them, but the righteous souls who stand to face the chaos should fear not. The survivors will see a world of chaos transformed into a beautiful paradise. That's why they don't want to leave. Suddenly, Ambassador Fox starts to look ill. While Triss is attending him, he starts to convulse and lose control of his bowels. Pineapple. I'm, I'm going to grab him and... <laughs> well, so while aboard the ship, Fox's condition continues to deteriorate. Dr. Triss has to focus her energy on discovering a cure. Is this where we came up with pineapple as our safe word? It comes from Chuck. But like, is this where we decided? Where we, yeah, yes, right, I think so it was early, maybe earlier in the episode, we established it as a uh, as a panic word. Okay, well, I think it's important to know for the the dear listeners that we have established a safe word that's like, if we say pineapple, then you have to beam us up right then, right? Yeah. So because it will that come up back. in later adventures, yeah. That's so canon. if you were like, that's canon. So if you were like, why the fuck she's saying pineapple for? That's because it is our safe word. Anyway, the rest of the crew spends the night in the Kambali compound, Kambali compound, thinking about their next move. They have only three days until the catastrophic impact. P 
perhaps one of the other religious factions will be more open to an evacuation. However, the Kambali don't want the away team to leave the compound. Hmm. If the crew of the Cody spread their apocalyptic warnings, then the Kambali may be blamed for bringing them here, and the Kambali will become a target. They escort the crew to their rooms under guard. At the last minute, the crew call for a transport and bring some of the alien leaders with them to the Cody. <laughs> we must back to our mother. There's no excuse for this. We're doomed, doomed. We have no problem beaming you back, but we need to show you what you know what it is that you're you're facing. Do we have like a PowerPoint where we can show them like planet? Can we at least use Keynote? For God's sake, PowerPoint just looks terrible. Some of us don't but, have Max. There's the it's other starship in the system. That, There's no way this thing runs on Windows. It would have crashed long ago. <laughs> yeah, it runs. It runs on like uh, Commodore 64, I think. But that's another story. Federation OS. Unity. Fedos. Fedos. Oh, very good. Um, their efforts to convince the leaders are fruitless. So it must have been with PowerPoint, and they end up beaming them back to the planet. Yeah, the crew determines they need more information. Dr. Triss remembers that there was one person she was talking to at dinner who was openly divulging information. They beam him aboard the Cody. He tells the crew, he lets the crew know that he wants to get off the planet if it's going to be destroyed and knows another faction that would be open to an evacuation. He had already arranged a meeting before the crew teleported off the planet. And they beam down directly to the agreed-upon meeting place. This new faction listens to what the away team has to say, and after some deliberation, they agree to evacuate. Their one stipulation is that they want to be returned to the planet after the catastrophe so they can rebuild. The crew discussed adjusting the environmental controls on one of the decks to accommodate the Illyrians. They considered Deck 7, where the transporters are located, but since Deck 7 also contains critical facilities such as engineering, the battle bridge, and sick bay, Commander McDonald suggested they should instead relinquish their officers' quarters, which are on Deck 5. The crew beam up as many of the people as they can, as did the other Federation transports that arrive just in time. When the destruction begins, it ends up being far worse than predicted. The meteorites did not disperse as expected, but remained intact. The force of the impact blew 85% of the planet's surface into space, and there's no way it can support life. Boom, boom, boom. Thus ends part one. This is like a good time if you're listening to go take a pause, go to the restroom, get a drink. No, never Potty leave break. Us. Potty <laughs> break. If you're on I'm the edge here. of your seats to know I'm what like, happened. Well, Do you need like, to go potty? Everybody needs to go potty before we leave the house. Everybody needs to go and watch no. by any other name now. <laughs> wear your shoes is the other thing we'd be asking. Yeah, sir. Where, where, do you have socks on? Why do you not have your socks on yet? I thought you said you were ready to go. <laughs> um, do we get do we get a, like a brief little uh, you know intermission recap here? Or... Yeah, do it. Let's hear mm. it. Maybe. Oh no! I just uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> at some point tonight. I wanted to say that this something about this episode to me like felt the most TNG of any of the ones we've had so far. Just in terms of like the wide openness and the diplomacy of it, and like the lack of just 
head on shooting big cat monsters and things like that, you know, which there's a place for that. And obviously that's a lot of fun, but this one felt very like cerebral and like there was definitely a fair share of like fistfights and poisonings and, you know, using our safe word, but um, so much of it was dialogue and uh, I just enjoyed the heck out of that. You know, I feel like the next half of this also includes a lot of that as well, but it definitely takes on a different tone. Mm-hmm. But like this part, just in terms of like the interface between, you know, our crew and this like very alien society that just cannot understand what we're trying to like communicate that like, dude, your, your whole planet is going to be wiped out very soon here like we we're here to help you and they're like no no we, we don't we don't need your help i don't know something about that to me like it just jived with me and in a way that i loved it was such a great there was there was a ton of detail on the the natives of the planet the the way the planet was sort of you know laid out and what the beliefs of the people were and uh there's so much going on the different factions yeah. Um, I basically, I gave, uh, Sarah Nicole as science officer, a bunch of information ahead of time. I gave, um, April as medical officer, a bunch of information ahead of time, um, that they could, you know, convey at the right moment. I gave Dave information on the mission because there's just so much to digest. And and so that did kind of capture some of the, uh, effect of a, an episode where the, you have the different people who are professionals in their field who are sort of comparing notes and sort of getting down and deep a little bit into, um, what's going on with these people and that whole aspect of like, yeah, they, they have these strong beliefs, which are so important to them and that might be more important to them than their own survival. And and how do you, how do you deal with that? So that was, that was interesting. I will say at this point, the thing that really stood out to me as super incongruous was the, the marketplace vignettes. I mean, they have this like Arabian nights feel, which is at odds with everything else that's going on. I mean, maybe it's meant to reinforce that idea of religious fanaticism, just to sort of draw a, a comparison to, you know, a sort of uh, like a just a Cairo marketplace, you know, in the in the medieval times or something like that. But it was it was really incongruous with the the level of tech and everything, and it sort of detracted from the seriousness of the module. It was silly. Did we do all of them? Were there more? I think we just, I think we did all of them. Yeah, I, I think I was like, like, let's hit all the vignettes. I remember feeling like we weren't, we're missing a lot of content or. Yeah, not I really. I mean, there, there wasn't really a lot of meat to it. The only thing that was important was the one where you get the dilithium. Which is, and it was just like, that Aaron brought that up. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's important. Um, to Aaron's earlier point about it feeling more TNG, I th- one of the things that makes it feel more TNG to me is that it wasn't wrapped up in a bow or it didn't have a happy ending. Like everybody was, everything wasn't necessarily resolved because like a lot of people were dying at the end. And I think there's a lot of endings to TNG episodes that are more like wistful or thoughtful or even sad. You don't come to complete the resolutions or you recognize that there is maybe no real resolution um i i i feel like that's that happens more in tng than it does in the original series i don't know what do you guys think about that everything doesn't get like wrapped up in a bow it's it's a little bit more like morally gray you know yeah um there aren't like clear-cut good guys and bad guys it's like 
different cultures have different values and like have different standards for things. And at the end, you know, we all come out of that having learned something, but it's not, you know, you know, you don't put a bow on it and neatly wrap it up. But yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to imply that like that TNG like has a, a you know, a, a copyright on that. Like that doesn't belong to TNG exclusively. And I think there's a lot uh, of, TOS episodes that also have a similar kind of like ambiguity, but I think in terms of like, I don't know, you know what? I haven't watched still enough of the TOS episodes to talk about like percentage of, you know, straightforward slap fights and, and you know, lizard monsters versus, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. One lizard monster. Well, TNG comes from TOS, and and I feel like right. it might maybe. Um... I haven't seen TNG as much as you guys. So 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 definitely what you're describing happens in TOS but maybe not not all the not not usually. Usually Kirk is able to find a solution and they're all laughing at the end. But um you know, yeah. Or like yeah, yeah even when something isn't resolved, you get a bridge shot of the three of them going, "Well, doop, doop, doop. <laughs> yeah, right. No. Maybe. A lot of them have that wistful ending, but yeah. It I mean it's a fair observation to say, "Hey, this is kind of what I um I'm looking for in a Star Trek adventure. One thing that I, I feel like it has nailed in this uh, module. Yeah, the I one thing. That... Go, go ahead. ahead. You. No, you. Well, for me, for me, it's a hard one to run because it's written in a very linear way, and it, and it's kind of like scene happens, then scene happens, then scene happens. It doesn't have a lot of room for the players to to play things out differently, um, and that's that's rough. Rough for the for the game master. Um, I feel like maybe having run it once, if I would were to run it again a second time, I would feel more kind of at home uh, in the planet and with you know just letting things play out differently. Um, but um, you know when you're running it, you know you kind of it's when the players are trying to do something else. A lot, a lot of modules um, are written in a way where they're like anticipating a lot of different things that the players can do, or they're just kind of wide open enough that the players can just do what they're going to do. So, so for me, you know, I would say that's, that's the downside of this module for sure. I think we have a tendency to mistrust linear progression as a role-playing group. Yeah. Um, and so when we're being forced into it, we initially balk at that and try to find any way to weasel our way out of that linear progression. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's incredibly frustrating for you as a game master, but that's what we were trained to do, right? As a group, like when a lot of times when presented with these obvious solutions in D&D, &D, they were absolutely not the right way to go. And so when a module is written in that way, we find it hard as a group, I think, to trust it. But um, you're right too. Like uh, there, every module is different too. Right. And in this module, though it's linear, one of the things it will say is like, "Don't forget, you can use your transporters. If you're in a jam, just transport out." And and so like, when the players don't think of things like that, and it's right there in the module, like you know, the players ought to figure out X solution, and they don't. You know, again, it's it's kind of the it's still the linear problem. Where they're hope they're they're trying to pre-program you and you know penalize you if you don't figure out the right solution. So it should be open a little more. Um, well, it should be written a little more more openly. But well, it is what it is. And you hit a lot of the right notes. Yeah, and I'll I'll say that for me, like this one because of the richness of like the the background. 
actually did not feel as like choo-choo, you know, train, uh, you know, uh, as some of them. Like I, I know like you as the DM saw it as being very linear, but to me, it almost seemed like it was too wide open. Like for me, a lot of it was like, oh mm. God, like I don't know where to go from here. Like there's so many options. Um, I agree with that. And that's why I asked if, if we had missed a lot of the content because it yeah. felt like there was so much more that we were obviously missing. Right. Or we obviously didn't have time to play through and that we were missing big, like, like big groups of content or big areas and things like that not by by not visiting every faction we were missing yeah like half the yeah. game and so we felt i felt a little like oh we could be doing we could be playing better yeah you know, because we're missing obvious clues or something like that i think I in retrospect i could have skipped a lot of the marketplace vignettes and we could have spent more time oh, those were visiting. fun they were fun and that's super that fun. Fun is important. They're kind of hilarious. You guys saw the grin on my face every time a vignette was like, so next, you guys are heading <laughs> over here and someone steals your phaser. What? <laughs> uh, what? But, um, but, but yeah, there was a lot of content that we kind of zipped through at the end about the faction that you guys did end up um, uh, uh, beaming aboard. So kind of the, the second part starts with this, this faction all aboard, the Cody, and and we haven't really gotten to know them very well before, so that kind of been, would have been cool. There was also that assassin faction, you know, they could have kept coming back. And there's a whole like scene about like you guys loading up into a, a truck, you know, hiding in the back of a truck and trying to smuggle across the border from one area of the city to the other. And that's where I was kind of like, but transporters. Yeah, so right. <laughs> okay, again, they're kind of going for a Raiders of the Lost Ark and Cairo sort of thing. You know, uh, but yeah, it was a little incongruous. Oh, I, I I do try to avoid it feeling like a railroad, and maybe I succeeded. I think you did very well. It didn't feel railroaded to me at all, mm -hmm. other no. than the times when you told me choo-choo, and like it was obviously that you were pushing me in a certain direction. But it, it it felt like a very dynamic, wild, open world, and it like Tunicol was saying, it felt like there was a lot of content that we missed. Um, so. I think the choo-choo thing as a as a GM, it's more a matter of pacing the oh, session. Yeah. I feel like we're spending too much time on a point in the module which is where nothing is really supposed to happen and there's nothing really you can do. And you know, you just you keep investigating different avenues. And I might just sort of say, like, you know, let's move on. And I think that's fair. I think it's especially fair since we're looking at one night to yeah. do these things. If if yeah. we were doing a long campaign or we were you know, we had all the time in the world or wanted to spend all the time in the world in these modules and could just play it out really naturally and let it be forever to figure out one thing. Sure. But we're trying to get it done. And I would rather you be like, choo choo. So we don't spend a half an hour in something that doesn't fucking matter. So we can see more of the content. Yeah. Cause that's our tendency. Absolutely. In, in, oh yeah. In case y'all didn't know, if you were <laughs> not aware, our team tends to spend about <laughs> ten times too long on everything as we should, either yeah. debating the right way to do something because we want to win, or alternatively <laughs> talking about useless shit because it's hilarious or you know ridiculous. I want to buy a pig and keep it with me. I gotta have my pig. <laughs> I'll go back and and read some of our recaps of our. Our classic games, our D and D games from back in the day, and like we'll like we'll do three or four rooms maybe in a whole yeah. session yep. before the game is deteriorated. And, yeah. and it wasn't 
that we got drunk or anything. It was just I mean, that, that we just, we're just happened, bullshitting. But that wasn't why. Yeah, we're just hanging out. Yeah, like a little bit of D and D, and then just it, a lot of the memorable stuff that happened, and that still happens in our games is just when the players have like time to just jack luck around and make up their own stuff to do. For sure. <laughs> so like speaking of choo choo, by the way. Uh, yeah. Speaking of choo choo, shall we? Uh, yeah. Shall we choo choo along here? We got. Yeah. We got yes. Part two. Fine. <laughs> Part two. Commander's log. Stardate 7263.4. USS Cody and its convoy of transports have successfully beamed aboard over one half million Alarians of the Jakureti sect. Their leader, Thayan, and 40 of his lieutenants and advisors are quartered in style aboard the Cody itself. According to our instruments, these people may never return to their planet. But how can we ever tell them? The crew tackle the question of whether or not to tell the Illyrians that they shall never return to their planet. The third option would be that we find a uninhabited Class M planet and drop them off there and say, you know, hey, this is what's left of your planet. <laughs> okay, you know, so just hey. Yeah. <laughs> Just fuck with them a little bit more. <laughs> just the way he said hey, it it's a planet. It's hey, a planet. What, what, what this you... is what's left of your planet. So just okay, coincidentally, how are they these... gonna know? You know, true hey. neutral. Look, guys, know? here's a planet. Okay, that's fine. So he, his solution. The interesting thing is, uh, there's this Star Trek maps, and you know, we're in the vicinity of Starbase Four. That's in the module, and what else is in the vicinity of Star Trek Four? Of Starbase Four is SETI Alpha. The planet where Khan and his people were dropped off, so that we mentioned that and had a bit of a laugh. That they'll they'll know the stars will be different. I mean, you know, who who knows what else about their people? They've already gone through this trauma. I think we need to level with them. Like, you know, surprise one, there's aliens. Surprise two, we're here to rescue you because your planet's about to be destroyed. Surprise three, evolutionary bottleneck, and then all the by the way, we're going to strand you on some other random planet. You know. Who knows what happens from there? But I think we should just level with them and like, look, here's the deal. Like, you you can't go back to that place right now. And who knows how long it's going to take. Yes. But, yeah. Read that well. one, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. I, I was uh, having some serious snacking in that clip there. No, that was good. Yeah. I uh, worked through the whole problem. I I just so disagreed with this decision. This was a really hard one for me because it was so it seemed so obvious that like we were making the wrong call there and but that's what the commander said. So I was like, okay, all right, I'm gonna try to make my point here, but and that was that's not... that was an odd decision for, for Dave too. He always didn't... plays McDonald as like this, you know, by the book kind of guy. Yeah. It was, yep. Yeah, it didn't I know, it felt weird. So McDonald held sway, or he his decision was firm, and he decided that the Illyrians should be told nothing until the convoy arrived at Starbase 4. He and De Los Santos pay a visit to Thion, the Gandhi-like spiritual leader of the Jahureki, who has been put up in the commander's cabin. Yahureki? Jahureki? We, uh, we witnessed uh, our planet get... Uh... <laughs> They saw it pulverized a bit. We did, but but now you say that it will eventually be habitable again. Well, 
currently um, we have no idea what time scale that will be. Uh, so we are um, currently taking you to our uh, uh, starbase, and um, you know, and, and and then we'll we'll go from there. My inner circle and I have been in meditation, and and so. Um, we will continue to meditate on what you say. Right. That was another interesting facet of their society was that it was so telepathic. And that, that was that was also discovered in part one, but again, at odds with that whole like uh the, the marketplace madness. They basically otherwise established that they don't talk very much, they just kind of communicate telepathically. But whatever. <laughs> so to Tris and to Prue. And Jensen and Laurent head up to the officer's lounge to rub elbows with some Illyrians. At table number one, they find Bayan. He's the Kembali that had first helped the crew get in touch with the Jahareki. He introduces a friend of his. This is Pawn. Pawn Hugeguk. He's he's, um, a, a brilliant theoretical physicist. Really? Um, by our people's standards. Um, he's like, oh, yes, I'm very interested in, um, in, in seeing, uh, in, in seeing all, all, all the, the physics in action on your, your vessel. I've, I've arrived at many uh, theories which I think uh, correspond with um, what you guys have been able to, to put into, into action. So uh, any, any, um, anything uh, you guys want to, to show me around and you know I'm very interested in, in how warp warp theory works and uh, how you maintain your um, life support and oh yes sort of I'd, I'd love to show you around if you'd like to come with me oh yes thank you and I, I grab his biceps and squeeze them a little bit oh my god <laughs> he makes love to you and there's oh, much about your, your ways at table number two another fellow by the name of T. What is his name? Tai. Well, anyway, he is not so impressive. Okay. Oh, I've got a really bad intestinal disorder. Um. Well, I start asking him questions about that and scan him with my medical scanner. Uh, you trying to poison us with your food? No, but like, if we're if we're not able to provide you the food that is. For you, we need yeah, to we want to. Yeah, I, I, I run my medical scanner on him. Haven't you studied what sort of foods are acceptable to us? Oh, we should have, but if there's an additional problem, we'd love to fix it so you're not in distress. Yes, can I run my medical scanner on him, please? Yeah, yeah run it on me. Pretty, pretty I'm, I'm, yeah, so I'm saying, yeah, oh, he's got like blockage, and then and then past that, it's all wet. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have underlying causes besides? Yeah, like, is that is that what my medical scanner says? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> needs to go potty real bad. <laughs> it's it's going to come out of both hands real soon. Oh God, I take oh, it to sick bay. Oh no, I don't want to go to your sick bay. Why? Uh, I make him come with me. April, don't you have data on on their diets? I do. Oh yeah, well, I do. Did you give it to the to the ordinance section? Of course I did. To, to provide, you never said it. Oh, rude! I said I talked about how I had um, stuff on their diets. I did. That you had it, but what did you do with it? Oh come on! 
I mentioned multiple times about how they were vegetarians during during our thing. Yeah. I mean, we. I can't imagine that I would I would set up the life support and not tell anybody that. Oh, by the way, this is what I they can need imagine. To be able to eat. I can imagine. <laughs> 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 I mean, come on, they, they eat the same way I do. Because <laughs> very clearly, there's very similar to Andorian needs. <laughs> Were you planning the scene all day? <laughs> no, yesterday with Pippa. <laughs> uh, yeah, I planned it, it for the past seven years, Sarah Nicole. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Do you then clean the shit and vomit off your shoes and outfit? Because you didn't say it. So I didn't say it. You're walking have... around covered with I'm a Vulcan. I stepped away with great dexterity. I replicated a bottle of wine and I'm sitting there drinking glass after glass. She's so French. I am. <laughs> the smell doesn't bother you. No, the smell of shit? No. Oh. no. It's the smell of life. Have you ever smelled a French person? It's the smell of France. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. My oh, apologies no. to anyone who might be listening to this from France. <laughs> yes. We apologize to all French people. We love uh, France. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> and that was out of control. That was table number two. They so they met. <laughs> Welcome. Like, should we just turn the recording off? Are we done? We're day? just done. <coughs> and that's okay. a wrap. That's, that's our that's podcast. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. No, anyway. So they there's more tables. They go to the other tables. Everyone, everyone is asking the same question. What's the deal? What's the plan? Where are we going? We're on our way to one of our space stations. One of our many space stations uh, where we're going to assess the situation. Uh, you know, I'm sure you saw your planets had quite a time, took a lot of damage. So we're gonna uh, uh, figure out next steps once we're at the station. I'm sure. Pon Hugecock ap- approaches you, Laurent. Those those very eloquently spoken, sir. God damn it! <laughs> Doctor Tris, who has been treating Ambassador Fox for his flu or whatever, comes down with the same illness. And is incapacitated at this point. This was rather unfortunate because we really could have used her psionic abilities. Yeah. Oh well. well Cody receives a call from the Anaximander. That's one of the vessels in their convoy. We uh, we don't have sufficient security personnel or security systems to adequately adequately control the Illyrians if they get completely out of hand and there's a general insurrection. Uh, we're, we're extremely nervous, Commander, because. Uh, uh, the, the the folks here are pretty restless. They're not comfortable, and um, they seemed uh, they seemed to have uh, moderate cheer on, on yesterday. But today they're they're a little bit restless. Have you noticed anything similar on on your vessel? No, we haven't. But we only have forty on our vessel. But um, do your best to uh, keep them under control. Hey, do we have enough security to handle them if they get crazy? Ava, did you say we didn't talk to anybody today? So should we go talk to people today and see if they're crazy today? Checking in with the Illyrians, McDonald finds Thayan deep in a meditative trance, completely unresponsive. 
this is something of a problem because there was no clear second in command, no clear successor, and no one who could calm the Illyrians in a crisis other than Thane himself. Laurent went to talk with Huge Gook, with whom he had built something of a rapport. He gets a bit of a cold shoulder, but detects nothing overtly amiss. All right. Everything's on the up and up. Everyone's doing cool. Cool. But is it cool? I have, da, da, da. I have no evidence to um, otherwise. Yeah. So this is what I'm thinking. I think they're communicating telepathically and they're going to stage a coup for this guy who's in here on our ship. And indeed, the smartest person in the world came up with the right idea because of the next day at the changing of the ships, shifts, the ship is flooded with immobilization gas and ah! the party is taken over by the Illyrians. Knockout gas. <laughs> the characters come to and find they have all been dragged to sickbay. <laughs> Dr. Triss comes out of her fever and explains. She explains everything. Han and Bayan and Huge Guck had planned the coup through their telepathic network. The Illyrians had caught wind of the fact that their planet was permanently destroyed and that Commander MacDonald had deceived them. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Who would have Since, seen that um, coming? Yeah, we're in, in sickbay. Uh, uh, Sikbe essentially encircles the um, the battle bridge. So switch control over to the battle bridge. Yeah, there's just First, one problem. So the doors are sealed. Well, yeah. I I have um, gates. I have a specific kind of medication um, that actually boosts your strength. The problem is is that after um, after you've had gotten the strength. Um, your constitution goes, so you're, it'll boost your strength by five. But then after you've taken this drug, um, it will decrease your constitution. All right, drug give me, me the up. booster. All right, I give Eric a shot of my drug. Eric, you take the drug from 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 Dr. Triss, and suddenly your strength goes up by five. Ah, mon dieu. I shoot Dave in the arm with, with my shot. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of waiting. Just, like, Don't even tell me. Just, just... I just do it. I just yeah. go up there and I'll be like, hey, McCoy did it to McCoy did it to Kirk all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just you like tear his shirt a little. Do you tear his shirt I first? I yes. completely okay. tear his shirt. Yes. <laughs> of course. They, they have no trouble opening any doors after that. There was a big combat outside the arms locker with a couple of Valerians who fought with great fervor but will, were eventually overcome. But someone locked himself inside the arms locker. You bastards can't come in here. Oh. Yeah, some I'm of so our sorry. people are in there. Who, who's yeah. that in there? This is uh, De Los Santos, CE676437. Oh, dude, guys. Oh, it's fucking dream. I hate for you guys to, to see you guys. <laughs> yeah. Petrenko. So, so they successfully arm themselves. Next, they make for the emergency bridge, where they find power to all the consoles has been cut off. So, McDonald, Triss, and Jensen head to engineering, while Tapru, De Los Santos, and Laurent hold the emergency bridge. There's another big battle for control of the engineering against Taiyi and five other guys. They seem pretty determined at first, but after a few spectacular kicks and phaser shots, they lay down their arms. 
and McDonald and the team are able to restore power to the emergency bridge. Tapru discovers disturbing news. So what happened was that they, well, a lot of different things happened. Obviously, they, they took over many of the decks. They, they fiddled with the life support. They disabled this. They enabled that. Um, they, they fucked up all kinds of shit all over the ship. One of the first things they they screwed up was um, was they they were intending to go to warp four, and they broke some of the the dilithium crystals. Ah, oh, jeez! Didn't didn't we uh, beam a lump of dilithium on board from the marketplace? Perfect. Laurent runs the crystal down to engineering, so McDonald can reboot the warp drive. Smart. De Los Santos, you're receiving a distress signal. It's from the USS Carson. You guys know that's another scout ship, uh, Hermes class scout ship, just like your own. Um, mayday, mayday! This is USS Carson. We are uh, a cadet ship under attack from some Orion pirates. In order to get the Cody back in business, McDonald and Jensen head to auxiliary phaser control to restore firepower, while Laurent and Triss head to the shuttlecraft bay to liberate the rest of the crew. Tapru takes the captain's chair and commands all due haste to assist the cadet ship. The Cody drops out of warp. There is a single Orion ship attacking the Carson. Tapru puts shields up to half. De Los Santos scrambles the pirate's sensors. Tapru jumps up out of the captain's chair to take over the firing. And I'm standing up the whole time and leaning forward. Leo Santos, take the helm. Aye, aye, Commander. I rolled a three on a d20. Fantastic. <laughs> wow. Hit. Um, I, I, his arms above his head. Enjoy. I think this was our first ever ship-to-ship combat, by the way, in our mm-hmm. campaign. Oh, Yeah. So I'm rolling a d6 for damage? Yes. Uh-huh. Five. Multiplied by five. 25. 25 damage. 25 damage. Wow. Okay. Um, you got him real good. Well done. Can I open a hailing frequency or a hailing channel and tell them to cut it out and get out of you here? Can, you can order me to, and I can try. Yeah, the other can you please open a channel to the Orion ship? I Captain. <laughs> okay. Uh, Commander. Commander Tapru, if you don't get out of here, you're going to get more of that. There you go. Um, yeah, <laughs> you hit us pretty good. <laughs> we're we're out of here. That's <laughs> 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 fitting that we end on that character voice. <laughs> that was perfect. Saturday morning cartoony. And tragedy oh, Jerry Lewis. Yeah. That Amazing. thus completes the longest recap ever. Hey, it's yeah, there it is. Yeah, a double episode. So we told everybody well, to take a break in between. So if you didn't, it's your own fault. That's right. right. I am not stopping this car so that you can go potty. <laughs> it's too late for that. Well, any thoughts on the second half of the episode? Yeah, I mean, it definitely felt very different, um, mm-hmm. but. You know, it was also super fun and I really enjoyed trying to like, we didn't even get into it, but like all the work that I was doing to try and like make them comfortable. I was like trying to rig up this like isolated communication systems so that they could talk to each other between the ships. 
because uh, of course I had no idea that their, you know, limited telepathy could enable them to talk to each other across distances of starships or whatever. But yeah, you know, it's like trying to arrange for them to have a, a telephone system or you know, whatever else. Uh, and yeah. Laurent, you know, hanging out with huge cock. We definitely touched on that, but. Yeah, there was just a lot going Stealing on of us. Tris's boyfriend again. Again. Of us running around and, and like trying to do our best to make, you know, these people as comfortable as possible while they're plotting our demise. That was that was a pacing issue again because um so the module flat out states if you have any telepathic members in the crew, they should probably, you know, be unconscious at this point. Devise a way for them to get sick and unconscious. Like fuck, my wife is gonna kill me. So yeah, she uh, will, she will not happy. No, <clears throat> but then uh, it uh, there wasn't really a lot to do during that whole time that she was unconscious. If you just listen to the recap, it's like she was unconscious, and then she was back to consciousness and revealed the whole plot. But really, yeah, there was a whole lot of of stuff where um, Aaron specifically, you were trying stuff desperately trying to get off the rails to where they were headed. <laughs> they were clearly headed. Oh, I can see it coming a mile away. Yeah. And uh, it was just sort of like, well, okay. Yeah, you do that. That's fine. But can we just like, let's move on to the next scene. And that's, that's obviously a flaw in the module too, where it's like, this happens. But, you know, some, some degree, you show up to an adventure and you're like, you know, we want to go on the adventure. Right, so if that's where the adventure is, it's an adventure of retaking the ship. Then, is there part of you that's kind of like, well, okay, let's just let it happen? I don't know. Yeah, no, that's I don't know how obvious it was maybe at the time. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, there were combats. There were, you know, there was a lot of go, walking around the ship and you know, fighting guys here and fighting guys there, and and that was fun too. There's only so much we can really cover in the recap. There's the space battle, of course. What do you think, Sarah Nicole? <laughs> the high pitch voice. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was it was fine. I think we had fun. Yeah. I think we made our fun. Yeah. Um I think we were fr I was frustrated for a little bit. Um I think at one point I tried to stand behind a wall in telepathy and you were like, Yeah, no, that's Triss's thing. And I was like, I hate you, Philip. I can definitely stand behind a wall and do this. And then I was like, wait a minute. He doesn't want me to telepathy anybody. And he doesn't want April to telepathy anybody. Hmm. And then I was like, yeah. oh, I know what's happening. Right? Yeah. Again, what was I? I mean, so we had Tris knocked out. That's her whole thing is she has um, these psych uh, psionic abilities. And then you're going to be like, well, I can still do them. And I'm like, well, fuck. I mean... <laughs> Just uh, maybe try, you know. Let's let's not do, do a double whammy against April, where she's knocked out, and Sarah Nicole waltzes in and does her power. Yeah, you know what I mean. But yeah, yeah you're but right. at the, I gave at you a the chance. Minute, yeah, in Is gameplay, I was like, ah, and then in in like five minutes later, I was like, oh, duh, okay, cool. yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I don't know. It did feel different. I thought. There was a little while where I was like, I don't know how to fix this because we probably should have just told him at the beginning, right? <laughs> yeah. So I guess, I don't know if this is getting ahead of ourselves, but what would have happened if we had just told everybody? Did it say in the module? like? I think you said it's the same thing, right? That they were just still going to try and take things over? I, I 
think, well, yeah. If I remember right, we had a conversation about this afterwards where you talked about that a little bit. I think so. There, there was, um, there's again, a lot of, you know, I put together all those vignettes at the beginning where it's like, you know, let's just meet all these NPCs and introduced all the people in the one guy's cabin and all the people in the officer's mess. And it's like, at the end of the day, it doesn't add up to too much. And maybe this is just my style or, or our group having so many players or just how we play. But like, how much do you really want to get into all the NPCs and their agendas against each other? So there's a whole thing about how Thion was the guy holding it all together. And he had no clear successor. So when he, you know, kind of gave up, he was despondent because... You know, the planet was destroyed, went into his trance. There's no clear leader. So you had the the guys trying to take over. Oh, yeah. By the way, it turns out the one guy is actually an Orion. Hmm. Um, oh, that's right. Bay and Thion. Which, again, it was like, uh, you know, how is that going to come out? I think we had some fun jokes about, is he green everywhere? <laughs> but <laughs> God, no one slept with him. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, I think I think no matter what, there was going to be a an, an element that was going to engineer an insurrection because that's what the, it was headed anyway. But it's kind of cool from my from my perspective that that you were liable a little bit, so that I could say, well, this happened because of your action. It kind of made it feel a little bit more naturalistic. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder kind of if if Dave chose that like branch of choose your own adventure for us to have more fun in gameplay. Maybe, you know, I mean, we should ask him, but yeah. Cause it seems like if we just told them we'd be done sooner. I don't know. I think it would have been a short night. The module has pages and pages and pages of stuff about this race. It has pages and pages about their native diseases because those come up, you know, Fox gets one and Tris gets one and whatever, but it just, it really it gets really deep into it. And I think we were playing it. It was just kind of like, well, they're sick. Like how, you know, you want me to read you the module, you know, at various stages, the parasite exists in the larval stage. And then, you know, like after four or five days, I don't know. It's in the digestive tract and whatever. I don't know. So question about that, I guess, is what other, out of the other modules that we've done, have there been others that had that level of detail that we actually did use? Is that level of detail usually superfluous or has it come up in a time that it actually was used and helpful and needed? There's often more detail in the module than we need. And, and usually that's useful or it, it can be useful just in case the crew ask about something and, and something you know, can turn out to be interesting or relevant. Um, uh, I'm trying to think without thinking ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the I would say this one was a little too detailed in a weird way, uh, and that's okay. I, I really don't fault a module. It, it takes me longer to read it um, ahead of the game, but but then, you know, and then take more notes just so I know where the interesting and important information is. Sure. Um, but... I, I I guess I wondered, like, if we have somebody who's thinking about writing us a module right now to play, which would be super cool, dear listeners. Yeah. Like, what would you advise people? Like, what kind of information is the most pertinent for you? Like, or what kind of information are you seeing a trend that's most useful for the player? This is more meta questions that I'm just yeah. thinking about while we're talking. So Definitely. sorry, Aaron, I, if I'm being boring. The weird, no, 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 not at all. 
the weird and lame thing about this module is it had no maps. It would like explain like, you know, the kind of the layout and of the planet and stuff, but it would have been cooler to have a city map with at least some locations marked out. It would have been cool to have like a, a planetary overview, even if it's just like, you know, like here's, you know, earth and here's, you know, North America, South America, whatever, well, a big overview. And then uh, a space map of, you know, just the route from point A to point B, even though that's all it is, there's there's the planet and then there's the star base, but then there's the cadet ship that's being attacked somewhere else on the map. Right. So it actually took me a long time to create a map for this module. Like I said, I went to Star Trek maps and I blew up a tiny little sector about this big into a, a hex map, you know, and put all the planets on it and stuff. Kind of a fun project, honestly, for me, but it took a lot of time. And that's the sort of thing I want to see in a module. If it's going to be that the players have free agency and, and the DM can kind of roll with the punches. Maps, maps are great. Do you, um, um, do you have that as a file? Can we put it up on the website, the map that you created to go with this? Yeah. Okay. So dear listeners, Philip will put up his map for you because he loves you. He did this work for you. Yeah. And like and I said, just so happened the city alpha was on there. I thought it was a kind of cool thing. Hell that yeah. is cool. Because we could have just dropped him there. So, somebody did suggest dropping him off there, didn't they? Yeah. They suggested <laughs> dropping them off on the planet. And so we pulled up the map, and that was like the option. Like, well, <laughs> let's see how that works out. Um, yeah. A lot of the a lot of the better modules basically um, they sort of plant a lot of different things that might happen and um, just give the, the players a lot of different ways it can go. And they try and imagine different ways it can play out and how you might react to it. It's not really, it's never going to be a complete sandbox just because, yeah. well, it's not really D&D &D where you're just going to plunder stuff and, and that's kind of the game of it. It's got to have, it's got to have more. Episodic. Yeah, moral quandary and, and whatever. I don't know. It just didn't really... Uh, it would have been cool f for them to have like a layout of the palace that that you guys were, you know, where where you were staying, and you know, just some sort of sense of like, well, I go to the panel and I want to hack this door open. How does that work? And it doesn't really get into that. It does a little bit with like when you're in sick bay, how that might work, how they exactly um, uh, fuse the doors closed. Did you give April that the? potion or what i don't know the info on the drug yeah i did was that just a deus ex machina so we could move gameplay that was in the module it was it like was? you know if you know if you want to here's a cool thing that you can right. use so that was cool cool the other thing i want to talk about was ambassador fox i thought it was kind of an odd choice to use this character in the module because he's such a terrible character in the episode <laughs> if i think so and he's I thought kind about of a giant a-hole. He is. He's an idiot. And and he kind of like comes around at the end, but it's like, can you really trust this guy? But then I thought about it, and maybe that's like a kind of a cool thing. You have a DMPC, as it were. You know what I mean? Uh, my voice piece that you can't necessarily trust, and you can't necessarily roll with his suggestions. So I can throw out suggestions, and it was interesting to hear in the recap when you guys would be like, mm, yeah, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and and there were times where I was able to feed you information that you were able to use. So that was that was interesting. 
I feel like it was nice to have him talk to like take over the conversations that were happening with the aliens because then it took a little of the blame off us if something terrible happened. <laughs> but I, d- I thought that he was there to be a bad ambassador, right? And to fuck things up, right? Yeah, I don't I think thought- he... I don't think he'd, he he did actually have anything overtly bad to say or wrong. Maybe I I I I, I interspersed some things, which is just just for humor. But but they didn't say like you're like they didn't give you any direction on how to play him. No, it says it says that he's my hotline to the players, one of my means of keeping you on track on the rails. So maybe yeah. they just used the ambassador that they had seen. Yeah, maybe. In the, like... yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think it's just just the name that they saw. Like it's just a, a name drop, basically. Yeah, you're saying that this guy is the only. This is the only module that he wrote. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think this was a one shot. Do you? I mean, do you know if uh, like what else he generally wrote, or do we know any more of the story behind it? Google it, Aaron. Google it. Oh no, I just I'm asking if anyone has already done the research. No, he he's not written anything else that I know of in any genre. Okay. So he yeah, and, and I think he, he wrote an intro about like, you know, how excited he was to write this module and um you know, honored by the opportunity. So he obviously he put a lot of work into it. It was not lazy other than the lack of maps. So I give him some credit for that. On paper, there's just so much going on in this module, so much going for it. It's a thrilling double episode. There's that broken planet careening toward another planet, extinguishing life on it, experiencing the last days of a planet. You know, there could have been more apocalyptic signs while you were on the planet to maybe yeah. improve the mood rather than just jackalacking around in the marketplace, but whatever. Instead of us just being like, you don't have a leg, but you do. Oh, yeah, Ooh. exactly. More intrigue right. with. Uh, there's intrigue with the planetary factions. There's intrigue with the Orions. You know, the Orions are actually involved in the planet. And, you know, that's why they had the, the plant there. And you know, there's some uh, interest there because they, then they get to fight them at the end. I always like that element of yep. fighting another, you know, empire. Um, the fighting to retake a ship that has been ha- hijacked. Classic Star Trek uh, premise yeah. episode. And the space battle. So there's a little bit of everything. Yeah, totally. Um, I saw to one review of this from oh, yeah, the Tower cool. of Xenopus blog. He oh. said he played the first half back in the day. His his, his game master had run, run it for him. He thought it was awesome and epic. Uh, and his GM never did run the second half. And he said, I've now read the module and I think it's a good thing. The second half, um, uh, it's uh, it's lame. And I, I kind of, I wasn't sure. I'd I kind of like the wow. concept of the second half better, at least in theory. I know you guys said you really like the first better than the second, but to me, like that's a sec- classic Star Trek situation that I've been looking forward to playing out. And um, yeah, I guess it was sloppily written. The, way, the fact that it was just like, well, nope, you can't. Uh, you have to incapacitate your telepathic PCs. There's nothing you can do about it. But it was still okay. <clears throat> I think you could have had a cool disease that made all the telepaths lose their telepathy, but not, but still be able to play. That would have been cool. Hmm. A good way to knock out that ability with still letting the people play the game. Um, I didn't, I did not like the second half. I don't feel like that. I think it was 
still had funny moments. I don't know. But is that yeah. the only review? Is that the only person who's played it besides us <laughs> who wrote anything about it? Not a dig yeah, on you, like, no. author of this, who worked hard except for maps. There yeah, are... I just let's throw out there that this module came out the year I was born. So, Ew, um, boo, Aaron. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's true. Yeah, fair points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there there are contemporary reviews and contemporary magazines and stuff. I guess I could start digging into those a little bit more for the episode, but it sort of seems like. Uh, well, one of the reasons we're doing this blog is that it's, it is hard to find reviews, this blog, this podcast, this whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't think the average person, if he's looking around for Star Trek adventures, is going to dig through old magazines for their reviews. Unless so, the average person is Philip. If we're, if we're not able to <laughs> easily find reviews of these modules, then average, I don't think Philip. we're obligated to dig them up. Oh, I'm not saying you have to go dig them up. I was just asking if you knew. Just thinking but out think, loud. Yeah. You know, no, I think it's. I don't know. If please don't review these, because otherwise we don't have a pre- premise for our podcast. <laughs> also. No, I hope we spark a, a renaissance of people reviewing these. I actually hope people credit. start playing them. I, I we I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> they it's love cool. it. I, it's just so awesome that every week I start the week and I'm like, you know what? We're going to experience a new Star Trek this Friday. Yeah. That's a cool thing. For it's sure. A super cool thing. New for us, but it's actually been out there and uh, it's kind of a shared experience. It's in theory with other people. So if other you played this and you liked it or hated it, email us and tell engineer Eric what you thought. I'm not going to read it but he'll tell me about it if you liked it and are nice. If you were a teenager the year that I was born and you happen to be oh, Star Trek yeah. guy. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, or if let's... you played it last week, who knows? Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. There's a huge likelihood of that. Ah, oh, boo. <laughs> the Jaharaki are not sexy. Boo. No one's going to pick up this model. It has a picture of a guy on the cover. Like, that's the picture. It has, uh, you know... A starship and some transport ships, and then it has the one of the Illyrians, and he's just kind of like, it's kind of like a sexy like belt. Everyone should look this up, and then sort of like a, a battle harness at the top of his robes. Anyway, I just don't really, I don't really know. This is the thing I've said about like tie-ins, right? If you see a module with Orion on the cover. And he's like, yeah, we're an Orion babe dancing. You're going to be like, okay, I'm interested in Orions. Maybe I'll pick up this module. Yeah, right. Or a module with, you know, a Gorn on the cover, you know, trying to fuck a starship captain. You might pick that, pick up that one because, like, all right, Gorn Erotica. <clears throat> okay, let's see what that's all about. If you see a sexy belt, you might be like, <laughs> not into Gorn Erotica. <laughs> but if you're like, ooh, Illyrians, I've always been interested in them, you might not be. But you know, it's Star Trekky to have a new alien race, kind of. Absolutely. Well, let's rank the module. We use let's a warp factor it. scale from warp factor one to warp factor ten. Theoretically, you can use off the charts warp factors, or you can use impulse powers. But um, generally, one to ten. Who wants to go first? Aaron's the guest. 
Oh, but see, I don't know how you guys, uh, you know, normally rate these. I mean, mm-hmm. we might have an internal scale here. No, Eric's saying that's just everybody picks. Everyone's I mean, just off the track. Let I, me give you some yeah. sense. Ghosts I, I of would... Conscience was our highest rated one. Okay. We gave, we gave that, uh, it basically scored a nine, I think. Most people gave it a nine. Okay. And the lowest, the lowest so far was probably the one with the Tribbles. That one really okay. fell flat for us. Yeah. I had fun with that one, but... Uh, give that one a two. That was... Yeah, it was more because of what we made of it than anything else. Um, True. Yeah, I mean, I would I would solidly give this an eight or a nine easily. Wow. Wow. I had I had a blast with this. And like I said, I, I, I felt like... It really, I mean, you're you're right, Philip, in that like the the whole market scene felt a little out of place, and especially like for uh, people who are you know to some degree telepathic and like, but you know it's a you know it's the one city where all these like religious nuts deal with each other in a somewhat pleasant way, and like sure, okay, maybe there's like a, a quasi Arabian Nights kind of marketplace, and like even with the names that that in many cases felt a little like black exploitive or you know i mean there was like some aspects of it that you uh, that definitely could have used some work and like you were saying from a dm's perspective no maps and things like that i still felt like it was a big sandbox that we got to play in and i felt like it was a concept that was really interesting that we banged our head against for a long time like as the federation you want to like save everybody and you want to convince everybody like we're unquestioningly like the good guys. And so we have this instinct to like get in there and help everyone. And like, there was no way that we were going to do that. It's just impossible in this module to save more than a couple thousand people. Uh, And even then, you know, then we made the decision to lie to them about what happened to their planet and what's going to happen next. Like I, I, I really enjoyed like the challenge that it gave us and our group in terms of trying to find a way to make it right for these people according to Federation ideals. Well, at the same time, we also got a chance to be our, our silly selves. And like, yeah, it was kind of linear and in some parts of it, like it felt a little rail- railroady and like that end part of like having to take back the ship quickly so that we could go rescue the kids from the pirates. Like that felt a little hackneyed, but at the same time, like it was a blast, and we, you know, Tapu got on the controls there and blasted away at that Orion ship. I mean, that was just ace, ace, uh, you know, combat right there. So, yeah, I really enjoyed the heck out of it. And whether that was just us or your DMing or the module, I don't know, but it felt like a very rich universe with a lot of moral gray area that we got a chance to explore. And so, I, I really enjoyed it. Well, all right, are you going to go for an eight or a nine then? I'm going for the eight on that one. All right. Fair enough. Well, I think that's one of the reasons we had you on for this episode was that you seem to be uh, really out of your shell for this one, really into it. So I appreciate the perspective. Hell yeah, man. What about you I guys? Fun with it. What do you say, Sarah Nicole? Um, I loved the end because I got to have space combat. But that's mm-hmm. a me thing. Um, I, in retrospect, after you telling me there were no maps... Like even from your perspective, realizing there were no maps, I think I missed the maps. I'm going to give it a seven. Give it a hard, firm seven. Okay. And taking in some of the things Aaron said, um, 
but also taking into the again rich backstory and things like that i like that the person who wrote this did all that work i had fun it's not my favorite but i absolutely loved the end and it was by far not my least favorite i give it a solid seven which i think is a pretty good score for me it is yeah well guys I usually score things lower than you guys than than everybody else anyway. So take that and take this with a grain of salt. Uh, I'm gonna huh? I'm gonna give it a three. Wow! Oh my God. I obviously I thought you it have was a different rough. It was rough on this. I would not run this again um, if I if I were going through and just picking the the best ones. This would not be my pick. Okay. Um. It was just uh. Um. There's a lot of just going through the motions, doing the fire drills, getting through the adventure. I, I guess, you know, especially in the second half, but even in the first half, didn't really matter what your actions were. Things were going to happen how they're going to happen. Um, and, and that to me is just like, I don't know. I just feel like we, we make fun out of it. You know, we, we um, kind of are game for it and we want to make it we like in, in imagining how the scene goes. And that's when we're like, Sarah Nicole jumps out of the captain's chair and seizes the weapons controls. And, you know, she's yelling at, at De Los Santos to take the helm. And uh, we love those moments. We're hamming it up, but that's not adventure. There's no like real thinking caps going on in any heads in this, in this game. I don't know. It was a rough one. It was the whole time for me, from my perspective as a GM, it was just negotiating that, like, how can I get to the next thing where they're supposed to do what they're supposed to do? And it was just too much work for the uh, amount of fun that we had. Yeah, I don't like that. When I think about it from your perspective, I don't like that we weren't driving the gameplay, that you had to drive it to get to the next step and that we weren't able to get there easily on our own. You know, that's not cool. Bummer. <laughs> well, but on, right on railroads. On, yeah. Well, I, I was just say too, like on the flip side, there were some parts of the premise that like, it's, it's hard to do any other way. Like, you know, if you're facing the impending doom of an entire planet, like you can't get out of that. Now, like where it goes from there, you know, you could certainly have argued that like if, if we had not lied to those guys and if we had been able to find, you know, some other way, but like at least that piece of it, which I felt like at least for the entire first half, was like the thing hanging over our heads. Um, that There's not a lot of other directions you can go with that. Like we established early on that there's no way out of that. So, you know, that, that's that ticking clock, right. That that's hanging over our heads. But I get what you're saying too, that like, even within that, like we didn't have a lot of room to, to play and it felt very linear, but you, at least to your credit, didn't make it feel that way. You know, like to us, it felt, it felt fun and sandboxy, at least from my perspective. He's fishing cool. for XP. Thank you, sir. Yeah. 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 For that. I, I guess XP. with every, can get a magic item next. <laughs> That's right. All right. Five. Discover a stasis box. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I would just say like, uh, we, we've talked about before, like it, when um, a module is poor, but it plays out well, 
um, that might be just the strength of the of the GM and the players. So how do you rank the adventure? And um, I think the, uh, the GM is going to try and do his best with every module, and and to some degree, you do have to take into a, to, into account how it's written and whether it supports fun play or whether it's uh, it's a it's a struggle to adapt it. So that's why, from my side, I give it a low score. But I'm glad you guys had fun with it and gave it a higher score. That seems to reflect the uh, the experience that uh, the other reviewer had, where he was a player in it and he thought it was awesome. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, it's written like an episode that you would watch because it's so rich. It's a story, and it's melancholy and sad and you know interesting. Gives you a lot of food for thought about these people's um, religious beliefs and, and society and how they're different as aliens. And, and it sort of leaves it on a note of like, we don't really know what happens to them. They never do go back to their planet. Um, and uh, they were kind of jerks. So you, you kind of, you're not sure how bad you feel for them. You know, they were jerked around by the Orions themselves, but you know, so, so it's a cool story, but it's not as cool as a game. You should have written a novel. Yeah. Oh, this would have been a great novel. Yeah, I think so too. So, so if we're talking if we're talking to our listener who's gonna write us a module to play, we need maps. We need what else? Yeah, maps and like um little tech things to do and little like um I don't know, dilemmas, but like a lot of uh, a lot of different options of places to go and things to do. Ways for the players to make plans. I guess the players did plan a little bit. They were going to go to the battle bridge over here. They're going to go to the weapons locker and stuff. So that was kind of a, a highlight. I thought was when Dave sort of took over and started making plans, sending people to engineering and stuff. But it's, it works out better in the recap than the, in the actual play. I had to kind of like guide people and be like, "Well, I think maybe you guys should send Laurent to the engineering while De Los Santos stays at the bridge." And and I shouldn't have to insert myself like that. So, yeah. also, I mean, just, it's again, important to note that this took like two full nights. Two full nights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I would have. I don't know if I would have rated one half different than the other half. I might have done that if we weren't looking at it as a whole. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you feel any difference between your ratings for either half? I mean, they and- definitely felt different. Whether I would rate them differently i don't know i'd have to think on that but i mean i think the first part felt i don't know sorry no i i was just say i think i the first part to me like felt more like there was more potential there and you know again from the dm side knowing how linear it was like obviously that potential wasn't there but it it felt wide open and like we had like all these people to talk to and all these compromises to try and find and like all that kind of stuff so like that part of it felt uh like we had more opportunity yeah agreed agreed phil no change in your score both both halves equally three yeah pretty <laughs> much i i guess um, i don't know yeah three three for both halves and then it, it adds up to a three because it makes you do it over two uh, sessions. Yeah. 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 I, I like, I want to like each part, but like, I, you know, if I, if I had to go back and run it again, I would make maps all over the place, maps of, of all the part, you know, everywhere you could possibly go on the planet 
just so I could feel like, you know, you could just do and go wherever you wanted and do whatever you wanted to do because, and, and same with the, um, the second half, it felt a little bit like, I don't know, un, not, not natural how the situation came up, but then once it came up, it was, it was fun. You this know. episode brought to you by Maps. 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 <laughs> maps. Number one thing when I open up a module and I, if I want to run it or not is if there's maps. Hell if yeah. A story, then I'm just like, oh boy. <laughs> if there's a lot That's of NPCs, awesome. I'm like, oh no. So that concludes our review of Denial of Destiny. We hope you like what you heard. If you did, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. We also want to hear from you, so well, visit our website at www.rpgpopclub.com or email us at rpgpopclub at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought or if there's a module you'd love for us to review. Or if you have a module you've written and want us to review that's full of maps. And if what? you wrote this module and you're still alive, uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. Oh my God, that's a terrible thing to say. It's Andrew. been almost 40 years. <laughs> Dude. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Philip Hooper. You, you guys you can cut that out a of of this. It'd be great. We would yeah. love to read your book. It would be amazing. Yes. Um, what module are we watching? Yeah, are we doing next week, Phil? Sorry. Okay, so after this, this concludes yeah. our, we're calling this our season one, right? Mm -hmm. We've done 10 episodes uh, plus a bonus episode interview with Michael Scott. Um, so we're going to start season two with some, um, with some Klingon adventures. We're going to do a little side campaign where we're all playing Klingons. In preparation for this, we are reading the final reflection by John M. Ford, which I highly recommend. That'll help Great. us get into character um, because these uh, Klingon adventures um, which begin with um, The Natural Order by uh, Guy McLemore. Um, these all tie in. They were basically done hand in hand, the novel and, and the adventures. So The, no the novel is a really good novel. I'd say that you have to get past what? The first two chapters and the first two prologues. First two prologues, the first two chapters. And then it just... Just push just through and then it's like that. the quickest read because it's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron, did you read it? Oh yeah. Did you awesome. like it? I, I did. I re I read it over the course of like a day, and I did like it. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed Those it. Zippy little paperbacks. Yeah. Oh, so good, though. I really enjoyed it. But it's really I, dense. I read it on my phone actually, and uh, yeah. yeah, it went it went quick, and it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I recorded an audio version for John Jarvis. <laughs> And, That's uh, right. I forgot about that. And I've been listening to it in my car because the second time through, it's really interesting because some of the stuff that um, you read in the first, in the beginning, only makes sense after you've read through the whole mm -hmm. thing. One of those things that just like the whole novel comes together like a chess game. Oh, perfect uh, analogy. You sure? A chess game? A chess game or a game of Klinja. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not so much a Romulan game of Ratronculo. Oh, that would be fun, though. Uh, I'm covering my face. You guys. Did you guys have a fun season? I had enjoyed a great season. Dear listeners, we hope you enjoyed it as well. We've had a lot of fun making these. I hope there's music going on right now, just like something 
romantic and sappy. Because <laughs> we love you guys. We love you guys. And we love All right. Trek. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Heck yeah. See you later, Gators. <laughs> Bye. Do, 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 do. Do 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 do